1: Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Although you might be listening to this on a Monday, since I'm going to put it up a little early. But this is the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, it's a day off at training camp, so Mary can. I decided let's get to our football insiders and let them ask some questions, and we'll try to answer as many as we can. Of course, they had questions about Deshaun Watson, Cream Hunt, but also we get into some things that are happening on the field at training camp as well. Now, like I said, we went to our football insider subscribers. They came through cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to become one. You can become one of our tech subscribers. You get access to exclusive content on cleveland.com slash browns, and you get a daily newsletter delivered right to your inbox. So again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. A Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Browns Podcast. We are back here on an off day in training camp, so we decided we'd get to some of our football insider questions and, as expected, Mary Kay, uh, a lot about Deshaun Watson, a lot about uh, Kareem Hunt. Let's start here. Jacob from Berea. Uh, Should the Browns consider taking a flyer on Jimmy Garoppolo if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for the season?
0: Well, I definitely think it's something that the organization will have to sit down, put their heads together, and try to determine if they think that Jimmy Garoppolo is a better fit for them or better able to get them to the playoffs than Jacoby Brissett would be. Uh, To this point, they have not been clamoring for that. They have not had it on their front burner, and they are prepared at this moment to ride it out with Jacoby set per set for how many ever games. And one reason why we know that to be true is because if they really wanted Jimmy Garoppolo, they've really left him out there to be able to sign with somebody else or to get traded to somebody, you know, to somebody else. So, you know, I think that the fact that they haven't done anything about it yet uh, leads me to believe that they're still in that place of, we're not sure that this is what we need to do. Uh, but in the event that Deshaun Watson is suspended for 10, 12, 14 games or more, I think it's a conversation that they at least have to have. And uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. You don't know where Jimmy is physically right now. He's coming off of a surgery on his throwing shoulder in March, and he might not be quite 100% yet. Uh, but I, I still think that there might be some merit in, in giving that some serious thought.
1: Yeah. And I think part of it too, like Jimmy G, we know, we know he can come in and run this offense. Right. And Mm -hmm. we know that he can come in and do what the Browns need him to do. You can kind of run that run heavy offense with Nick Chubb and and Kareem Hunt, assuming Kareem Hunt or D'Ernest Johnson, whoever you want in that backfield. Um, He's just sort of like a good placeholder. And then he gets to start for a year, hit free agency, maybe get some big money and, And the Browns can move on. There's really no quarterback controversy. There's nothing like that. You just, you know, the Browns scratch his back and he scratches theirs.
0: Yeah. And the thing to remember, Dan, that a lot of people don't really understand about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation is that his contract is not guaranteed. Okay. So even though he's under contract at a base of about $24 million for this year, it's not guaranteed. And so anything can still happen. I mean, you could, they could cut him. Uh, he could get traded. Uh, even if he does get traded, you could still do something with the contract. It doesn't guarantee until like, I think probably like the first game of the regular season or something like that. So up until about that point, uh, you have some financial flexibility with him and you could do some creative things. So again, I wouldn't rule it out, but I also won't say that at the moment it's front burner.
1: Okay, let's continue down the the Jimmy Garoppolo trail here, though. Zach from Talmadge uh, says, Hey, Mary Kay, with the poor timing of Kareem Hunt's Holden, do you think the Browns could potentially use him as a trade piece for Jimmy Garoppolo if Watson is out for the year? So do you think there's some match there i i was actually we were standing around a practice yesterday and and this came up kareem hunt in san francisco he might rush for two thousand yards as the primary back in kyle shanahan's offense um i think it's interesting would you maybe use kareem hunt if it could save you a draft pick
0: sure i mean you know at this point if you decided that you thought that jimmy garoppolo was going to make sense for you and you were going to bring him in as your starting quarterback for the season, then anything is on the table at that point. And again, you do have a player who who would like out right now and would like to go somewhere and be a featured back. Uh, So sure. I I would think that it would be part of the discussions that you would have uh, surrounding this whole situation.
1: Okay. Obviously a lot of questions here um, about Deshaun Watson. Uh, This one comes from Ronnie Butcher in chapmanville west virginia and this is more of a a procedural question but again it's an interesting one he says hey mary Kay, since the nflpa accepted judge robinson's decision against watson and declined to appeal it prior to her decision being announced is the six game suspension ironclad no matter what and i think this is an interesting question because we've talked about could deshaun watson get on the field week one uh but i have heard some people mention like the reality is you're looking more at week seven, like the the six game suspension is what it is. It's going to be there uh, no matter what, but is that inaccurate? Uh,
0: Yeah, I would say that that's inaccurate because um, if the NFLPA decides to, to sue in federal court and secure a temporary restraining order or get some kind of an injunction, it will be basically to have the whole thing overturned. So I don't think that uh, that it, anybody will be bound to the six games just because the NFLPA uh, did not try to appeal that originally. I think anything can still happen in court and the temporary restraining order could cover uh, the beginning of the season. Uh, I mean, because nobody really knows what's going to happen yet. No, nobody knows if uh, you know, if that suspension is going to get reduced, increased, whatever the case may be. So I would think that it would cover uh, the first six games. And I had a legal analyst. Uh, his name is Daniel Moskowitz. Uh, he's in Texas. And he he basically uh, helped me lay that out for people. And it's on our site on klubin.com. And it's in the story uh, with the headline about um, the NFLPA uh, and, and the appeal and uh, how the NFLPA is also Poised to sue. So, if you're looking for the headline, it's the NFLPA is also poised to sue in federal court. So, uh, there's you know some decent explanation in there. But no, even though some legal analysts uh, and some lawyers have said that the six gamer would absolutely stand no matter what, uh, I don't believe that's true.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all so confusing. And in a lot of ways, this is, I mean, I know we've had the NFL go to federal court before, but everything about this still just feels a little bit unprecedented um, because it's just so complicated. And this is under the new CBA. And I think that just throws wrinkles into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, if the NFLPA is going to sue, uh, they're going to work on those first six games too. I mean, they're going to work to get this thing reduced, overturned whatever they're not just going to sit back and say oh hey we're totally cool with the six games let's start talking about week seven and on that that's not what they're going to do if they're going to go to bat like that in federal court uh they're going to come all guns blazing
1: okay so mike uh mike in chester maryland um has a question about potentially a, a settlement and we've talked about this a little bit on the pod over the last few days but he says hey mary Kay." Should the NFLPA and Deshaun Watson try to get in front of Peter Harvey's decision by offering his 2021 salary uh, of $10.5 million as a fine with no additional games added to the spent to the suspension? He thinks that would be a victory for Watson, and the deck is stacked against him.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, yes, I do think the two sides should get together and try to come up with a settlement in advance of Peter Harvey's decision. I think they seem to be almost close enough uh, that they could, uh, that they could come up with something. It would have to be more games than six for the NFL PA to not want to move forward. And it would have to include some kind of a fine and maybe a a significant fine uh, because they don't like the fact that he's only, Missing out on $57,500 per game based on his base salary of $1.035 million, which the Browns reduced uh, to give themselves some cap relief. And then they gave him the rest of his money in a $45 million signing bonus up front this year. So he's still got the same average of 46. It's just sliced up differently so that they can uh, you know, still have some cap space. Um, the NFL didn't like that. They they don't like the fact that he's not being hurt in the in the pocketbook. Even when he sat out last year, as you said, he got the full $10.54 million. So that's not flying with the NFL. Uh so they're going to push for a substantial fine. Uh, but I do think that there is a world in which you can use some of what happened last year and tack that on to whatever you hope to do this year. Uh that way he gets kind of hit in the in the pocketbook a little bit. And then also serves the amount of games that the nfl feels comfortable with
1: okay uh again a lot of deshaun watson questions uh this one from paxton styles it's a little complicated but this is a little more football related so uh kind of getting into the on the field situation paxton says hey mary Kay, what do you think the browns division record will be if watson he puts out a few scenarios misses the first three division games Uh, misses the first three division games plus the second Cincy game or is suspended the whole season. Let's just do this. If he suspended the whole season, what do you think the Browns division record will be?
0: Mm, That's really tough. That's a great question. Um, The (laughs) first thing that comes to my mind is like 500. That's the first thing that comes to my mind, but it's not going to be easy to beat Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson without an excellent, excellent quarterback. I mean, they're going to have their running game and they're going to have their really good defense and you can win a lot of games that way. Uh, But these games are coming down to amazing quarterback play. And, and I don't know that they're going to have what it takes uh, to go head to head with those guys. We'll see. I mean, look what happened when Joe Burrow came up and Jamar Chase came up against the Cleveland Browns defense last year, the Browns defense dominated, Um, but I'm still going to go with a 500 record here because I think that, uh, you know, that they can beat, they can beat the Steelers. I think they can beat the Steelers. Uh, Their quarterback situation just doesn't seem to be what they're hoping for this year. Uh, So they, they can win at least one of those games, maybe both. Um, The others are going to be a little bit tough, but let me say 500.
1: Okay, so then the other, the first scenario he threw out was if he misses the first three division games, which would actually be, a, let me make sure I'm counting this up right, an eight game suspension. So he'd come back after the bye week against the Dolphins. So he would miss the Thursday night game against the Steelers. Uh, he's the game he's supposed to come back. The Ravens game he would miss that in this scenario, and then he would miss the Bengals game on Halloween. Uh, Do you still go three and three if he's back in the second half of the season and still has one game each against um, against each division opponent?
0: Mm, That's going to be tough. That is going to be tough because the stakes are so high at the end of the season. He'll be coming back in kind of cold, having not played football since the end of 2020, uh, getting acclimated to his new teammates. I think it'll be tough. I would say at that point he could go two and one. I will say he will go two and one in the division um and then with him out in the first three games that could they could be looking at a it could still be two and one there mm-hmm. because of the de- strength of the defense but it could also go the other way one and two
1: yeah i mean i i could see them going like four and two but they'd have to win at least one with jacoby percent obviously
0: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah i mean it just depends i'm i'm I don't know. For me, I'm starting to feel like Baltimore is going to be really good this year. I don't know why. I just, well, I do know why, because they're they're a good organization. They're going to be healthy. Um, I think Lamar is going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder after last season and with all this contract stuff, and there's been stuff floating out there about him, um, you know, that that quarterback tears piece that was in the athletic and, and all of that. I, I just feel like this is setting up for Lamar to have sort of a prove it year and the Ravens being healthy, you know, JK Dobbins, we're recording this on Monday. He was just activated off the pub list today. Um, I, I don't know for some, for whatever reason, I just feel like the Ravens of all the teams in the North are, are going to be really, really good.
0: I, you know, I think so too. I think some of it will depend on if they can get some of those defensive guys back, if they can get their defensive backs back, Humphreys, Peters. I mean, Uh, You know, I just, that has a lot to do with it. I mean, they, they really play such an aggressive brand of defense Uh, and Lamar, I mean, Lamar is so good. And, and John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh is so motivated to beat the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he just, he does not really in some ways, like what the Browns stand for. And right now he doesn't, like what the Browns stand for in terms of the Deshaun Watson situation. He made that very clear when he was asked about his feelings on Deshaun Watson. Uh, so I, I think uh, he's going to have a little bit of an extra burr under his saddle uh, to come out and and give the Cleveland Browns everything they have.
1: Okay. Going back to sort of the off field stuff with Deshaun, Jim Buddy in Pittsburgh uh, says, Hey, Mary Kay. Why would the NFLPA ever have agreed to a disciplinary process where the league could essentially appeal to itself? He's actually a labor lawyer, and he's never seen an arbitration process where the arbitrator's ruling wasn't final. Um, But I think there are a lot of questions like how did the NFLPA end up with this system where on the one hand, they get the independent arbitrator and Sue L. Robinson, you know, jointly appointed by both sides. But then there is this wrinkle here where Roger Goodell is able to appoint someone who appears to be very friendly to the league uh, to to basically try and get what the NFL ultimately wants.
0: Well, you know what? They, um, the NFLPA fought for this, but they wanted it to be obviously flip-flopped. They wanted the initial ruling to come down from Roger Goodell and then, the appeal to be heard by an independent arbitrator. And it does seem like that would make more sense, but they just didn't win it. They did not win that. And it was one thing that, that they conceded, that they got something other than Roger Goodell being the judge, jury, and executioner, but they still left the final decision either in his hands or in the hands of a designee. In this case, uh, he appointed Peter C. Harvey to rule on the appeal, um, he's not doing it himself, as we know. Um, but still, it's someone of the NFL's choosing, someone that is basically working for the NFL. So it it didn't go really in the favor of the NFLPA, but they did get something. You know, they got something, and um, it's at least better than it was before.
1: And I think it's hard for the NFLPA because there's – there's so much insecurity for players. And so like, it's hard for guys to hold out. You know, we we've seen lockouts in baseball. Um, and we we've seen, you know, we've seen lockouts in basketball. Obviously that's owners locking out players, but in that scenario, it's a little easier because those players have guaranteed contracts and it's just hard in the NFL. There's so many guys who haven't gotten paid or are going to have short careers it's hard for them to really dig in. It's hard for the union to really dig in and get what they want. And I, I think the NFL holds that over them a lot. You know, they'll put in, Hey, okay. You want this fine, but we're going to add a seven. We're going to give ourselves an opportunity to add a 17th game. Uh, You know, you want, you know, you want some sort of lack more lax drug testing. Okay. Then we want this. The NFL does a really good job of sort of, dangling carrots out there that they know the NFLPA wants, but then also being able to bring the hammer down in something that they want.
0: Yeah, they still have the upper hand. They still obviously have the upper hand in, in all of this. If not, you would not have seen the personal conduct policy end up like this. Uh, so, yeah, it's still the NFL. They're still very, very powerful. And they they can still dictate situations like this and how their policy ultimately works out. And uh, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, when doing that story that I referenced, uh, I went back and looked at the Greg Hardy suspension for domestic violence back in 2015. And the arbitrator, the designee, Harold Henderson, actually reduced the suspension. So who knows where this is going? Um, The good thing about Peter Harvey is that he is a former federal prosecutor He's the former attorney general of New Jersey, and he has extensive background in sexual assault cases, and he also helped craft and implement the personal conduct policy. So he's uniquely qualified to handle this case, and I I really think that whatever he comes up with, uh, it, it's, you know, everyone's going to have to uh, either abide by it or, as we know, the NFLPA can sue.
1: Okay, one last Deshaun watson center question, and then we're going to take a break and get to some uh, training camp football questions. This comes from the Pope in sunny Fremont, California. Um, Hey, Mary Kay. The angst of being a Browns fan has never been greater with the whole Watson drama to finally have a superstar quarterback, but not sure if he will even play this year. And if he does, will it feel good as a Browns fan with all the backlash? His question is... From your reporter aspect, if you could go back in time, knowing what has happened, it could change it. Would you have passed on trading for Deshaun Watson? And then he follows up by saying he's asking because he's not even sure what he would do personally. And I I think that's a complicated question. He lays it out pretty well. The Browns got a top five quarterback or a guy who could potentially be a top five quarterback in the NFL you don't get those guys very often unless you're drafting really high the right year. Those guys don't usually hit free agency. If they do, they don't usually come to Cleveland. I, I, you know, I, it, it's hard to say that I, I, I know why the Browns made this trade. Everybody knows why the Browns made this trade because they needed to upgrade a quarterback and they needed a guy like this, but then it came with, with all of this uncertainty too. So how many months away are we from what it happened? Five months,
0: mm-hmm.
1: five months later. I, I mean, what would you do? Do you think the Browns are regretting this at all?
0: Well, let me just say that we are in the thick of the bad stuff right now. Right. Right? right, we are in. We are right in the heat of the moment of everything bad about this acquisition, and the Browns knew that it was going to get be bad in the beginning, and that somewhere on the horizon there was going to be football and that Deshaun Watson was going to have an opportunity to take this team to multiple Super Bowls, okay? They knew that it was going to be horrible. Now, I actually think in some ways it's been worse than they even anticipated. And I think part of that is because the attorney for all of the plaintiffs, Tony Busby, I think has done a masterful job of handling this from a PR standpoint and garnering public opinion Mm -hmm. and putting his clients out there at very key times. And Deshaun and his team really have not been able to answer or respond uh, to a lot of these things. I actually think they should be responding more. I mean, if Tony Busby has a press conference, then maybe they should have a press conference. I mean, you know, I actually think it would be okay to respond to some of these things if you still feel... Like there are things that would help uh, change or sway how the public feels about this. But Tony Busby has captured all the momentum in, in all of this. And um, they shut down Rusty Hardin, uh, Deshaun Watson's side, and whatever, whoever they have involved over there, they shut down Rusty Harden, his attorney, uh, after he made the comment about the happy ending that did not sit well, you know, with so many people including many people in the Deshaun Watson camp. So after they shut down Rusty Harden, there really hasn't been anyone, a spokesperson per se, for the Deshaun Watson side. All we've had is Tony Busby press conferences and Ashley Solis, you know, standing up there. And Deshaun doesn't even really get to, you know, talk to us at all. I mean, we had him one time in organized team activities, but that's it. You know, that's it. So he can't even speak for himself. He hasn't talked once in training camp. We haven't talked to Andrew Barry. Uh, You know, we've talked to Kevin Stefanski. We've talked to players, but there's nobody in that Deshaun Watson camp that has come out and said, look, here's what you're going to find out when the truth comes out. Here's the smoking gun that we have. Here's why we feel confident that you're going to feel better about this in the final analysis. We're not hearing anything like that. Uh, So right now, uh, it, it seems worse than anybody anticipated. But I do think there's going to be a point in time where it gets back to football. And when it gets back to football and he starts winning football games, that even some of the people that have jumped off the Browns bandwagon will come back on. Not all of them. There are plenty of people angry enough about this that they're never coming back. And we all understand that. But I think a lot of people will come back um, once they stop hearing all these words in the media that they don't really want to hear or, you know, things that they don't want to think about. Uh, So this is going to be kind of a controversial answer, but I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that knowing what I know now from a football standpoint, because I still think it can get back to football. I don't think he's going to prison. I think he's going to serve a suspension. I think he's going to settle the final lawsuit. And then I think he's going to get back to football. And from a football standpoint, uh, you know, I I still think that in the end, it will be worth it on the field.
1: Yeah, I heard someone describe when the six-game suspension came down, the, the Browns gambled on this trade and it worked. But even if it ends up being a year, if he's on the field for this football team and he plays like Deshaun Watson, that's the gamble they made you know that i mean that's what it's about for them and that that's for a lot of fans that's what it's about and that's okay like you you know we've said this on this podcast if you're a fan and you just want to root for your football team you're you're allowed to just root for your football team and if you're a fan mm-hmm. and you want nothing to do with this situation that's understandable you know from our perspective it's our job to cover this team so you know where that that's what we're going to do I, I mean i certainly again i see why they made the trade i i didn't love it when it happened, I probably would kind of knowing what we know now. I don't know that you give up three first round picks necessarily. I don't know that maybe you guarantee that contract quite or do the contract quite like they did. But um I, I mean, you and I were both at Ben Roethlisberger's last game in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. He was, he was treated like a hero. You know, I mean, Kobe Bryant. And ended his career. And, and of course, when he unfortunately passed, he's, he's treated like a hero. I, I mean, these things do once you gain some distance and it turns back into sports, you know, people move on. I don't know whether people hearing me say that are okay with that or not. I, I understand, but people do eventually move on.
0: And, and I think there are some ways in which Deshaun Watson can help the healing process along over, over the years. I think it would help if he uh, maybe acknowledge that, you know, that he really does need help for, and, and I don't, I don't know if this will ever be true, or if he is, will ever feel this way. But I mean, if he came out and said, you know, I, I do need to work on, uh, you know, some things, you know, some things that went on in that room, I know, on, in those rooms, I now see uh, that there was a disconnect between my thinking and their thinking, and I need help with that. And I'm going to go get the help that I need for that. Okay, so I think there there could be, you know, that could be something. Um, And then financial restitution. I mean, if he if he, you know, really. Spends uh, some money uh, giving back to, you know, to women's groups and to, you know, to to women who have been harmed by sexual assault and sexual misconduct, I think that could go a long way. Uh, And just continuing to try to make restitution like that you know, I do think people can change. First of all, I don't know if he's there yet where he thinks he does need to change anything. I don't think he is necessarily at that place at all. Um, but if he does get to that place, uh, you know, then I think that, you know, that could bring some people back to the fold where they kind of view him in a little bit of a different light, but it's going to take some work.
1: So I want to add, I want to say something off of what you said earlier about how Tony Busby has handled this versus how we haven't heard from anyone on Deshaun Watson's side. Deshaun Watson can talk to us whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to, like, he can walk up to a podium in Berea whenever he wants. And to be honest, I think if he did that more, it would start to move more towards football because how many times can we stand there in a group and ask the same questions over and over again? Right. Mm-hmm, and right. you know, whether we get answers from him or not at some point, you know, you're just banging your head against a wall and, you know, asking those questions. So, you know, that's part of it. Like we're there, we're in Berea every single day that there's a practice. So if Deshaun or Andrew Barry or the Haslams or anybody wants to talk, we're there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, at some point he has to come to a podium and he has to talk. And I, th- I personally think he should have done it by now.
0: Yeah, this is the strategy that they've settled upon. And this is not just the Cleveland Browns deciding how this is going to go. There's actually, it's more comprehensive than that. Okay. This is, you know, a lot of different entities deciding who is saying what, when. And so the fact that Deshaun has not come to the podium yet, that's a, a group decision. And, um, and yeah, I agree with you. I think he probably could get up there and say some things that, that might help him and you never know. It could also backfire. And there, you know, there isn't all that much to say yet because nothing is definitive in terms of the length of his suspension. But I do think he could say some things that would help himself. Um, So, and and we're reporters. So of course we want to hear from players in a situation like this and we're all for it. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, he could stand up there and maybe defend himself a little bit and, and it might not hurt him.
1: Okay. Let's take a break and then let's talk a little bit of training camp because believe it or not, there is football happening in Berea. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. Zach from Mommy, Ohio. Hey Mary Kay, after seeing the first 10 days of camp, which rookie looks like they will make the biggest impact this season?
0: Oh, well, it's a little bit difficult because one of the ones that we would have given that answer about would have been David Bell. And we haven't seen very much of David Bell yet. And I think he's probably set to make a very big impact this season. And I still think that's going to happen, but because he hasn't been out there, I'll give you my two names. I think Michael Woods has made the big, biggest impact on the offensive side of the ball amongst the rookies. And I think Alex Wright has, has looked the best on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Now that David Bell is back, he's going to give Michael Woods a nice run for his money. And now Michael Woods is out for Mm -hmm. a period of time. And so he's going to come back to the pack. Um, but these are, you know, three of the names that, you know, I think, of course, to watch. And then, of course, you've got Martin Emerson. Martin Emerson is mixing it up out there. He shows toughness. The moment is not too big for him. He is breaking up passes. He he got in a little argument, uh, a little scrum with, uh, with Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's not afraid to do that, which I mean, you don't want to hurt each other in practice, but you also want to establish your, you know, your toughness. And he's got that. Um, you can tell that he's gone up against really good receivers in college. And, uh, and he's going to get a lot of playing time this year. He's really going to get a significant amount of playing time. So I, you know, these are some of the guys that that I think will have the biggest impact and Cade York. I mean, Cade yeah, York right? is going to have it. Right. I mean, Cade York is going to have a huge impact. I mean, there are uh, you know, five rookies that that really could make a lot of noise this season.
1: Jerome Ford has looked good too. He's mm-hmm. he's looked really smooth. He had a he dropped a pass the other day and it was like the first bad thing I'd seen him do all camp. Like he's he's been really I, th- I think he's looked good in that running back room. And of course, you know, with all the goings on, that's kind that might end up being kind of important. We'll see. Um Martin Emerson, by the way, this eyeball test, like so Jeff Howard talked to us when was that Saturday maybe all the all the camp days blend together Mm -hmm. and he said that he'll sometimes mistake um Martin Emerson for Ronnie Harrison and -hmm. Ronnie Harrison's tall like he's a tall long safety and it's true like when you see Martin Emerson out there he looks like a safety Joe Wood said he looks like a linebacker I mean Mm -hmm. all of those things are true he does not look like A cornerback especially on this team because a lot of their corners are are kind of smaller and, and quicker and then you've got martin emerson
0: yeah and and as i have mentioned before on on this pod it's not really just the height but it's the broad shoulders and the you know it's the large broad shoulders and the built you know upper upper body that i think you know gives him that uh illusion of looking like a a bigger player like a linebacker you know i said he's almost got like an nba type sort of upper body where he just is is built um but he you know he looks the part not just only physically but from a a a talent level as well he's out there doing the work and so i think that's going to be uh really interesting to to see what he can do i think he he's going to challenge for a lot of playing time and and look denzel ward has been out with a foot injury for a good long time and the truth of the matter is you just don't know uh, if he's going to be absolutely 100% by the start of the season. And if he's not, I think Martin Emerson is, is going to get, uh, you know, a lot of good playing time, possibly, possibly even the starting role opposite Greg Newsom in that scenario.
1: And we've seen this team is not afraid if they think a guy's ready to to put him out there in a big role They're, you know, they'll be patient when they need to, but we've seen it a lot that if they think young guys are ready, they're going to throw them out there. Uh, Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay, what younger player are we not talking about that has quietly had a really nice camp? He says rookies are second year guys. We've, we talked about rookies, but I'm just going to say like, let's say anyone that that's sort of been added to the roster since Andrew Barry took over as far as like a draft pick or something like that. Um, I have a couple guys in mind. Uh, Jacob Phillips. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we are talking about him, but there, I, it looks like he's going to be the starting Mike linebacker right now, mm-hmm. at least. Um, a lot of people are saying good things about Jordan Elliott. You yep. know, I'm, I can't, I'm not really sitting here breaking down defensive line play in training camp, but um, a lot of good things being said about him. Uh, uh Greg Newsome, I, we talk about Greg Newsom, so I don't think he counts in this, but I think he's had one of the best camps of anybody. There there are some guys out there who are getting some opportunities.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, and we have been trying to let everybody know that, you know, that Jordan Elliott is due for it. He's in the starting lineup. Uh, Chris Kiffin, when I talked to him in mini camp, I think it was, or OTAs or at some point uh, he told me, he's more excited about Jordan Elliott than, you know, than anybody this off season. Um, So, you know, that's, pretty high praise right there. So we have been talking about a lot of those guys for the most part. Um, The ones that we haven't been talking about too much, you know, Tommy Togiai is somebody to keep an eye on, on this year. You know, what is he, who is he, what can he accomplish? What can he achieve? Um, So I think he's somebody to watch. Uh, Most of the other ones, I think we've kind of pretty much been letting everyone know that Michael Woods is somebody that you really have to keep an eye on. I, I've said this many times uh, that he's going to make, he's going to make the 53 man roster. And I still think he's going to make the 53 man roster, even though he's got this hamstring injury right now. And maybe he has to go on an injury list or something like that. Uh, But he certainly, certainly was gunning for the 53 before he hurt the hamstring. And that's really unfortunate for them. Anthony Schwartz. He's another one that there, there are not many people uh, that believe in Anthony Schwartz. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent uncertain what's going to happen with Anthony Schwartz either. Uh, but this is certainly a chance for him, uh, to go out there and show that he's more than a track star, that he's a football player, that he can run routes, that he's got good hands, that he can do what it takes to play in this league. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. Um, I don't necessarily think we're really forgetting anyone, you know, you know, a player that we have forgotten about though, Dan, and I haven't really focused on him too much in training camp. How about Richard LeCount? What yeah. is Richard going to do?
1: I don't know. And I'm not sure he's sort of in the same spot he was last year. I don't know how he gets on the field yeah. because you've got John Johnson, you've got Grant Delpit. They brought Ronnie Harrison back. Um, I don't know. I, I think those three safeties are going to eat up a lot of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I don't know. I don't know how Richard LeCount gets on the field this year, but he is somebody to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, he is. And he's going to have to um, excel on special teams probably. And the same thing with Tony Fields, the forgotten linebacker <laughs> from last year. Of course, we, uh, we talk we talk plenty about JOK. We expect him to have a breakout season. So he's not somebody we haven't talked about, but Tony Fields, like he's another guy like Richard LeCount. It's like, okay. Go see what you can do on special teams. He had a forgotten year last year. Tony Fields did because he had a, a broken foot. I mean, he was out basically the whole entire year. So now he's got to prove that he belongs in the league, and his way of doing that is going to make a name for is to make a name for himself on special teams first, and try to earn some reps on defense.
1: Okay, we're going to wrap this up by going back to a Deshaun Watson topic. Oh uh, wait, no, oh, I got to go interrupt
0: ahead. you. Then nobody none of our texters have asked us about the hot topic of the weekend. Uh So you're going to have to ask me about Kareem hunt because nobody else is asking about Kareem hunt, which (laughs) I'm surprised about. Um, so before we wrap it up, why don't you see if you can come up with a good Kareem hunt question for me, Dan?
1: Let's see. We have talked (laughs) a lot of, we have talked a lot of Kareem hunt on the pod. Let me see here. Um, Hey, Mary Kay, if the Browns traded Kareem Hunt, what could they expect back in return?
0: You know, I don't think that they will get a real high draft pick. I mean, probably like a fifth or something like that is what you would get. He's heading into the final year of his contract, uh, but the Browns really don't want to trade him. Um, I don't know where this is going. He returned to team drills yesterday. I don't know if he did that because Kevin Stefanski basically said that he better get his tail out there. I don't know if he just did it because he was, he got fined. He did in fact get fined for Friday and Saturday. I don't know if he did it because he has decided he doesn't want to be traded anymore. And now he is going to be all in for the season. I don't know what the answer is to that. uh, But in the event that they do decide to trade him, they will not get much for a running back and for one heading into the final year of his contract.
1: Yeah. And I I think that's part of why, they aren't entertaining it. I'm sure if somebody were out there willing to give the Browns a first or a second, Andrew would maybe be more interested, but right, Christina, he's not going to give up. First of all, I don't think you're getting that for him, but he's not going to give up somebody for something that he doesn't think he's more valuable as a Cleveland Brown on the field than a fifth round. Pick. Yes,
0: absolutely. In the same way that he felt that David Njoku was more valuable on the team than trying to trade him away. Although they had long-term plans for David Njoku, they really don't have long-term plans for Kareem Hunt. And I think this is the beginning of the end for him uh, in Cleveland, unless they really get things turned around with each other.
1: Okay. Last question here. This comes from uh, Jan Seifers, hometown of Galleon, Ohio, but currently living in Texas. Um, Should, Hey Mary Kay, should Deshaun Watson still be qb1 in practice should the backup quarterback start getting more practice reps and of course that backup is jacoby Brissett.
0: you know what i do think it's a great question i mean for a for a player who is about to potentially start 8 10 12 games i don't think jacoby Brissett is getting enough first work. i i just don't think so It has been a little bit surprising to see the division of labor in training camp. And I know that they wanted to establish Deshaun. And I know they think there is a world in which Deshaun could possibly end up on the field at the start of the season or early on in the season. But I still think that they're playing with a little bit of fire here and not giving Jacoby more time.
1: I agree. I, this feels a little bit like, it's not exactly the same, but it feels a little bit like when Terod Taylor and Baker Mayfield were in camp and just Baker never got, he didn't take like a single first team rep in, in training camp that year. And it was kind of like, I mean, shouldn't he get a few? Wouldn't that be beneficial to give him a few? And then, you know, by game four, he's the starting quarterback. Um, it It just feels like, I don't know. I don't think Kevin's being stubborn, but it just feels like at some point here soon, you got to start getting Jacoby Brissett, that that work with the first team. This is a really great opportunity to at least get him, I don't know, if you split it 50-50, whatever it is, but just get him a little more time.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, look, here we are. It is, today is August, what is it, August Uh, 8th? August 8th, yeah. Okay, the opener is about a month away. The opener is about a month away, and Deshaun Watson is still taking – most of the first team reps so i think that it's time for the tide to turn
1: okay we'll see if that starts to happen here uh, as we head out to jacksonville on friday Mm -hmm. uh when the browns have their preseason opener we still don't know who's going to play in that game we don't know if phil dashawn will play if jacoby will play or if it's going to be a lot of josh dobbs and josh rosen Um, Mm -hmm. it probably will be a lot of those two regardless but um, it'll be interesting to see what Kevin's decision is there uh, against Jacksonville. And you know, Mary Kay too, with the joint practices coming up, mm-hmm. that's, that would be a good opportunity I think to get Jacoby like first teamwork.
0: Yes. They still have a lot of really good quality reps coming up and he's getting plenty of reps. Um, I, you know, I asked Kevin if there was a method to his madness with this last week and he left and he was like, he was like, well, I hope so. Um, but I kind of understand where he's going with it because I still think that they believe over the long haul, uh, the important games will come in the second half of the season when Deshaun Watson is starting and they, they really need to get him the work that they can right now. Um, but I do think that, that it's time. I do think it's time. And as you mentioned, the, the, uh, the joint practices will be very, very helpful. And, uh, that's, you know, double the reps on those two days. And so, um, so yeah, I, I guess there's time, but that opener is barreling towards us.
1: Yeah. As we know, time moves fast uh, in the NFL before, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, we're going to be on a plane to Carolina, but first yep. we're going to be on a plane to Jacksonville later this week as the Browns open their preseason. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. All those questions came from our football insider subscribers cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. We are texting a lot during practice days. We're texting from the practice field. We're texting before practice. Uh, So if you're not a football insider subscriber, you're missing out on all of that. So again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And also just make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later.
0: Sounds great.